0: It's time to Accelerate. Hey friends, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 566 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record. Joining me on the show today for the second time is David Bruner. David is the founder and CEO of Module Q and he was previously on Accelerate on episode 200. In that show, we had a great conversation about how to elevate your sales productivity. Now, in this episode, David joins me to talk about technology and its impact on sales. In particular, we're going to talk about bots and their increasing utilization in messaging platforms like text, Slack, HipChat, and so on. And he's also going to share his thoughts and his insights about artificial intelligence and some of the impacts and influence that AI will have on our future in sales. You really want to make sure you check this out episode out. If you'd like to see the show notes for this this particular conversation, go to andypaul.com forward slash 566. As always, we provide a timestamp breakdown of this and, and all the conversations we have here on Accelerate. Now, friends, we, we all hit a sales slowdown from time to time. It's inevitable. And oftentimes, sellers default to the notion that the solution to a slowdown is either more structure or more processed. But sometimes you just need to try some new ideas to break out of the doldrums and to sell up to your potential. So if you're looking for some new sales ideas about how to amp up and accelerate your sales, then you need to read the new report I have put together just for you. It's it's based on specific recommendations from more than 300 experts that I've personally interviewed on this program. And I've compiled their practical tactics and strategies into a step-by-step guide that you can use to accelerate your sales today. So don't wait. Go to accelerate.fm forward slash accelerate to get your free copy of this report. That's accelerate.fm forward slash accelerate to get your free copy today. Friends, are you following me on Twitter? You want to make sure you do that? Follow me now at RealAndyPaul. Those who already follow me will notice my Twitter handle has recently changed. Previously, it was at zero time selling, but with all the exciting things we've got going on with Accelerate, with uh, some new developments, perhaps with a new podcast coming at the start of the year, and and uh, things around andypaul.com. We decided it's time for a change with Twitter. So follow me at at RealAndyPaul. And as I mentioned earlier this week, we're also coming up on a real milestone with the show, a million downloads. I mean, it's amazing that we've hit that in such a short period of time. I really appreciate all of you who have invested your time to listen to the show, who invest your time on a regular basis to, to listen, or even if you just do it from time to time. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate your support. Finally, before we get to the interview, I want to remind you that I want to hear your questions about sales and sales management, the challenges you're facing that perhaps you could use some help with. If you send your questions to me at andy at andypaul.com, each week I'll choose one question from those submitted to answer on my Friday conversation with my friend, my co-host, Bridget Gleason. And the winner, the person who submitted the question that we put on the air, will win a free half-hour coaching call with me. A little speed coaching, but that's $250 value. So, don't delay. Submit your question today. That's at andy at andypaul.com. Okay, let's jump into it with my guest, my friend, David Bruner. David, welcome back to Accelerate. Thank you, Andy. Uh, it's great to be here. For people keeping track, this is David's second appearance on, on Accelerate. So, uh, We've got there you know, last time. I had some standard questions for you. This time, I had a little different standard question. It's one I ask all my guests right at the top of the show, and that is, in your mind, what what's the single biggest challenge facing sales reps today?
1: I think it's complexity, Andy, and the world is uh, you know, the, the land, technology landscapes, competition, the uh, number of people and tools you need to interact with to get your work done, to move things forward. Uh, in a sense. Uh, we all have to run faster and work harder and master more just to stay where, just to uh, prevent from sliding back, uh, because the complexity continues to increase so
0: quickly. But I wonder whether we have to make that sort of a relative measure, because the fact is we've just on a our own level of. Complexity, taking the same sort of the same tact, right? Because we all carry on smartphones, right? There's a level of complexity that, that in that, and just inherent in that, and the way we use it with all the variety of apps we use, and the way we communicate. So I wonder whether, yeah, there's more complexity, but whether we're starting from a higher, a higher, <laughs> higher level. So, well, know, the- I think
1: we have more powerful tools to manage the complexity. But when I think of complexity, to me, what it means is the number and variety of relationships and interactions that you need to stay on top of. And so when you think about the rising number of people involved in deals, the growing number of tools that are involved, the uh, increasing uh, number of players in the technology landscape, uh, the number of different communication media that you need to master uh, and manage simultaneously to stay in touch with folks, uh, the skill um, the set or the, the that is required to stay on top of that um, mass of rapidly evolving relationships and interactions, um, I think, is a bit different from, from a world where you had a, a smaller set of things that you could go into more deeply.
0: Hmm, okay. So, and, what are some of those skills to help you manage the complexity?
1: Well, I think part of it is knowing how to stay focused despite all the different things begging for your attention. And so the people that I've observed are are most effective are the ones who um, are able to set aside time where they don't have distractions, they know uh, when to uh, leave the phone behind. Uh, there was some research you may have seen recently that showed that just having your cell phone on your table uh, on the table in front of you uh, lowers your IQ by several points. Um, yeah, the natural reaction to this complexity, I think, is to try to multitask more. Uh, but unfortunately, I, I don't think there's many people for whom that's a good answer.
0: Well, according to the research, it's zero percent. <laughs> that's a good answer for it, right? That I mean, just as a species, we're incapable of of multitasking. we Some people might be better at rapid switching, but yep. no one's capable of holding two thoughts at one time.
1: I, I think that's right. And so if you embrace that limitation and find ways to allocate your time during the day and allocate your attention so that you focus on the things that are most important. So I I suppose that goes hand in hand with brutal prioritization being key. As the number of demands on your time, the number of tools, the number of people, the number of technologies uh, multiply, you need to get better at uh, making decisions about which ones you're actually going to focus on.
0: Yeah, I mean, another way it sounds like what you're saying. And in this I think is, is a good way to look at it is that a lot of the complexity is really distraction-based. right? I mean, it's, it's more complex because we're distracted and not able to focus. And, I think if, and if we but, can eliminate a, a lot of the distractions, that, that's a giant step. It's not the only thing you need to do, but it's a giant step forward in helping you deal with the, the complexity and the overwhelm.
1: I think that's right. And I think it's also about triaging because the, the challenge is that a lot of those distractions may actually be important um, perhaps with a small probability. And so you have to get pretty good at very rapidly getting rid of the things that that you shouldn't be focusing on, but spotting the ones that actually uh, represent an opportunity that just uh, just walked in.
0: Okay. Alright, so let's let's jump into talking about, uh, we're going to start a little bit talk about Module Q, because that will lead us into the conversation we're going to have today. So tell us a little bit about what you guys have been working on since the last time we spoke.
1: Yeah, so what Module Q is building is, is what we call people-facing AI. And this is AI to understand you as a professional. Uh, because we've seen a lot of companies that have been focused on building AI to understand the data world.
0: Alright, and- predictive analytics perhaps. Being an example predictive of
1: that. analytics, natural language processing, um, yeah, you know, search, uh, intelligence search engines, right? Uh, tools that can really understand what's going on in the data. But our belief is that if you, unless you also understand what's going on with the people, you can't bridge the gap. And so we're developing this AI in order to deliver the right information to the right person at the right time to make him or her more effective in their role. All right. So give us
0: an example of what this looks like
1: so you're collaborating with some of your uh, your uh, team members or co- co-workers on a large deal you're having a conversation about uh, in a, in a chat app about how you're going to approach the meeting tomorrow with a uh, client that you've um, are submitting a revised proposal to uh, and the RAI recognizes that that's what you and your collaborators are talking about uh, and it Uh, makes a connection between a new piece of market research that just got published uh, that is relevant to the company that you're in in discussions with, and it pops up its head in the the chat with the bot, and it says, uh, you've been discussing company A in uh, the consumer packaged goods market, and uh, there's some recent research that might be relevant here. And there's a link to the document. So something that you might have overlooked, uh, something that might inform that conversation, gets brought into your uh, interaction and injected at a place where it makes sense uh, with the people who are uh, already focused on that topic uh, mm-hmm. to, be able to digest it.
0: Okay, so it's a AI-enabled bot that's sitting on a messaging platform.
1: That's right. That's the delivery mechanism for this intelligence. Okay. So Uh, What we are focused on, and it goes back to this conversation about distractions and complexity, Mm -hmm. we're focused on how do we bring this information to you in the place that is most natural, most timely, most contextually relevant, so instead of you having to make constant context switches or getting alerts about things that come out of left field— you're having a conversation about some topic uh, with other people that are interested in that topic, and after just the right pause in the conversation, uh, the bot speaks up and says, hey, here's something that appears to be complimentary. Okay. So, do you set preferences with the bots? So, at this point, we don't have any preferences that you can tune. Okay. Uh, we actually, that that's part of the goal of Uh, the AI algorithms is that we actually are watching. In a sense, we're tuning the preferences based on every action you take. Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm.
1: And so the more things that the bot says that you just completely ignore or you even uh, tell the bot you hit the not useful button, uh, the more we're going to uh, sort of turn the dial back or raise the threshold because we know you're a tough customer. Uh, But if we're finding that uh, either because you're uh, more interested in a broad, broad range of information or just because we've hit a particularly rich vein, uh, that you're very receptive to these uh, suggestions and you're clicking through on the links and you're marking them useful and you're recommending them to your colleagues and maybe emailing them to to yourself or to to some of the folks you're working with, uh, then we'll start turning the volume up.
0: And so one of the things that that seems clear from this as we look at sort of the progression, or as I do, is is that this, to me, seems like a way that's really going to accelerate the trend towards you know, messaging platforms taking over from email, at least for internal communications.
1: I think that's exactly right. Uh, that you know, One of the things that um, you know, people are starting to realize is that chat is, um, although it's, it's a great medium for communicating with your friends, it also is a great medium for communicating with coworkers inside the same organization, Someday, maybe it'll be a great way to communicate with customers and clients. I don't think that people have quite figured out how that's going to work or what the communication conventions we are to, to make that we, mm-hmm. we need to mm-hmm. make that work. So at this point, it's really about communicating internally. And one of the things that makes it so powerful is that it's an interactive platform where you can inject services and information and intelligence directly into the flow of the conversation.
0: Yeah, I mean, definitely it's a time saver in that regard, right? It's because of if, yeah, trying to have a conversation, as you talked about, let's you know, say like we're talking about a deal that we're all working on collaboratively. Yeah, I mean, doing that through obviously you could do that through text messaging, but I mean, doing it through through email is, is painful. Doing
1: um, it in email is painful, and also there is no way for an intelligent service, right. like a bot that's connected to your CRM, for example, to participate in the conversation. Uh, and that participation does not necessarily need to be heavy-handed. It may be just uh, surfacing as additional context in the in the corner of the pane, uh, you know, some links to the to the things that you're talking about right now.
0: Right. But you can sort of foresee a day because I know there's there's uh, some applications coming out that are AI-based applications. Uh, a company called Curious, I think, if you're familiar with them, that saying, mm-hmm. "Hey, what we're doing is you know real-time listening into a phone conversation, transcribing, analyzing it, and coming back with suggestions about what you should be saying and when."
1: Yep, um, and I, I think that that's um, you know, bringing resources to conversations. I think the bar for doing it in telephone conversations is very high because it's real time and, and you're on the spot, but especially in chat where it's textual and you can, you can take a little bit of time to think about your response sometimes, uh, that bringing additional resources to that is very powerful. And so it's about, um, and it's a theme that I think we're starting to see from a lot of the leading tech companies is, how do we augment human intelligence with AI? It's not about replacing people or taking them out of the equation. It's about taking what you do as a human and augmenting it with the best possible input that we can deliver from an intelligent uh, external service. Sure. but
0: I, you also we can't deny the fact that that AI, you know intelligence you know, <laughs> intelligent machines are replacing people, though.
1: Well, they're replacing I, I, I would say more than that they're replacing people. they're replacing tasks.
0: Sure, but the net effect—the net effect—is you know, I don't think we want to, you know, paint a rosy picture. And say, hey, this isn't going to f- affect you because, quite honestly, it does for some people and some some professions and potentially even per- perhaps for some people listening to the show. It it could absolutely, um, and it
1: really is. There, there's been some great research by uh, Eric Ringolfsson and Annie McAfee at at MIT on on the the breakdown of the tasks that. Uh, AI replaces. And so if you're a uh, a legal analyst, for example, and your job is to uh, go through uh, large... Discovery papers, right? Of, uh, yeah, uh, figuring out what regulation relates to what, uh, doing fairly routine uh, search and analysis, uh, well, those tasks are probably going to be automated. And so it's imperative if you've got a, a lot of your tasks are routine, you want to get ahead of this by looking at how do you find ways to focus on a higher level, more valuable problems that are more difficult to automate, and leverage the tools to take some of the stuff that's actually kind of dry and routine anyway off of your plate?
0: Or to find some way to, you know, at some point in a lot of tasks, there's a relationship with another human that's involved. Is how do you optimize that relationship?
1: Yeah, I think as soon as you start talking about human relationships, you get into empathy, you get into trust, you get into uh, nuanced communication where there's multiple possible interpretations. Um, there is a, a whole set of things that at the moment uh, AI cannot begin to, co- be, begin to come to terms with.
0: And there's some question whether it ever will.
1: Yeah, I think it's a fair question uh, that uh, uh, it's not clear at this point that um, AI research has really made any progress on solving unstructured problems. And so, the one of the powerful things about people is you can take them and throw them into a complex situation uh, without any real guidance, and they'll fumble around for a while, and and they'll begin to to find structure in it and figure out how to approach it. And that's something that. Uh, at this point, uh, there really aren't any AI algorithms
0: that can do that at all. Yeah, so that, I mean, and I think that's yeah, from my reading and yours is much more <laughs> sophisticated than mine is in this, but but yeah, that's where I've been seeing is that you know, A is is it's probably always best not to sort of bet on what machines can't do or won't be able to do um, because you know the increasing computing the increases in computing power are happening so quickly that that. Uh, like somebody, I was reading somebody recently said, yeah, you know, machines' processing power is improving, you know, 100 times every five to 10 years. And people, you know, we sort of limited in that regard. But, <laughs> but, uh,
1: um, mine's going in the opposite direction.
0: Yeah. Well, I oftentimes feel mine is as well. But, but yeah, but you said it's that, it's that more nuanced, relational aspect of it that, you know, for people listening to those podcasts and sales, this is, is those those are skills the machines can't easily replicate in a way that's authentic and the way that's really human. And you know, it's not the same as having a, a virtual VA, which, by the way, I find hugely annoying every time I <laughs> I have to deal with one. Um, doesn't mean I won't have one eventually, but but you know, the way they are today, it's it's so transparent that it's not a person. That that yeah, it's, it's annoying.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think really, you know, you think about automated voice response systems. Mm -hmm. uh, They've gone from being terrible to being somewhat obnoxious, and AI may enable them to get to the point where they're tolerable. Um, But you're not going to have an automated voice response system uh, negotiate and close a large uh, B2B transaction. Uh, for those kinds of deals. uh, It's about figuring out what the customer's problems are, and then it's about selling change to their organization. And selling change is about uh, vision and leadership and communication and empathy. It's not something that, um, at least in the foreseeable future, AI is going to be doing.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, I think there are you know, strata of the sales profession that that we need to worry a little bit about is is that you know the way we've set up a lot of the SaaS businesses or inside sales organizations with this you know lower level of of entry level jobs where basically they've been reduced to appointment setters to sure. some degree, and that yeah, that if we don't pay attention to that, that could go away. That could be automated. And, I think
1: it's very vulnerable.
0: Yeah, and so in those roles, they either need to be restructured in a way that we can find that that they can add more value. and there's ways to do that to in terms of creating the relationship, maintaining, connecting engaging and and developing the beginnings of a relationship. Or, yeah, or you know if, if it's just perceived that all they're doing is blasting out emails and entry level phone calls, then that can be automated.
1: yeah, and I think that's something that it can be automated or when the tools are good enough, it can be, a small enough burden on the account executive that they end up being able to handle it through these more intelligent tools. And yeah, that's what we've seen in corporate America is uh, almost no one has assistance anymore because uh, using Outlook and your calendar, it's mm-hmm. uh, gotten easy enough. I mean, yes, I think most of us would consider it a bit of a drag of our time on our time, but it's become easy enough to basically handle it on your own. That you don't need somebody filing paperwork for you and uh, sending around inter office memos.
0: Well, it's kind of second nature, right? Exactly. I mean, at this point, if I presume if I were to say to David, hey, we're, <laughs> we're going to give you this admin who's going to sit outside your door, <laughs> what would they do? Yeah, it's a tough question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in terms of they were there just for you, right? At this point, I presume you've outsourced all the things that, <laughs> that you could possibly outsource. So, uh, yeah, I look at myself, it's like, Okay. Yeah, I've got I've got virtual assistants I use for various things, but um, yeah, having a full time admin probably not. uh, Probably wouldn't be fully employed. So that's what makes us more effective, because
1: the the professionals who understand how to leverage those tools uh, are able to uh, achieve even more as a result. So uh, it is important to be in a sense on the right side of the skills divide.
0: So. Setting aside the for just a second, the the human part and the humanizing part is is so looking at, at bots and AI powered apps and so on, and, and let's talk specifically in sort of the sales space is, is where do you sort of see them going? Because you know, there are some companies like Conversica and others that are doing some fairly sophisticated things with with customers now and you know, top of funnel type uh, type activities, customer care activities. Uh, where do you see them sort of going?
1: Well, so I think there's a there's, you know, depending on which which part of the sales process and uh, which sales roles we're discussing, it can go in some different directions. Uh, I think certainly, you know, with the um, with the current state of the art in sort of automated uh, sales calls, um, there's uh, certainly room for improving those uh, with AI, and so. Um, top of funnel lead generation activities. Uh, uh, I think we can certainly see more of a role for AI in conducting sort of the, the very beginning of the conversation. Um, in my view, that's um, going to be more successful when you're able to do it in a way that people actually know they're speaking with, a, uh, with an agent, but they're uh, able to accept it because it's bringing enough value. Uh, right. there's certainly all of the predictive analytics of how do you then go and improve uh, these uh, these processes with a an understanding of of um, yeah how to predict uh, the customer's behavior. Uh, I think in the high value uh, sales and the the b2 b solution sales environment, it's a lot more about how do you bring the right information to the conversation at the right time, uh, how do you, um, bring, how, how do you bring your own organization along and mobilize resources in your own organization to move those deals forward? Uh, and I think that's an area where uh, chat and AI and AI-enabled services can be very helpful. Uh, I spoke a little bit about our own solution, which we, we place ourselves in the enterprise search space. right? Uh, and that's an area, I think, where AI has uh, an enormous amount to bring in terms of helping people draw on the right information
0: at the right time. Yeah, I think you used the phrase in one of your documents is, is you help unlock the value of corporate content.
1: That's right. And, and if there's a a great quote from Lou, when he was, uh, Lou, Lou Platt when he was CEO of uh, uh, HP back in the 90s, that if only HP knew what HP knew, uh, we'd be three times as productive. Uh, and you know, that problem has only gotten worse, that enterprises have more and more knowledge accumulated, case studies, uh, benchmarking, competitive analyses, market research, uh, but a lot of it doesn't get leveraged because people don't realize it's there or they don't have time to search for it or they can't find it if they, if they do search for it. And more intelligent tools like Module Q's AI for surfacing these information assets at the right time for the right person uh, should make a difference there.
0: So part of that is, in using that, is that I'm just thinking, like, you know, you talk about a, a quote from somebody in the past. Um, you know, those could be on multiple different media, right? I mean, it could be audio, it could be video, it could be, you know, text. Yep. How do you, I mean, do they all have to be sort of brought down to a text level so that it can be transcribed and, and analyzed, or can you work with multiple different media types?
1: So this is where there's there's really two sides to the equation. There's the data-facing side, which right. is about understanding what the data contains and what it means. And that is a major undertaking that's been going on for decades and will continue probably for decades. Uh, we've suddenly gotten very good at understanding what's at images, in images, thanks to deep learning.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but Uh, And natural language, uh, certainly transcription is now uh, has reached human levels of performance. So if you need to transcribe, uh, AI can do it at least as well as a human. Uh, So um, part of the equation is understanding what's going on in the data and there is a a lot of work being done to do that. Once you understand that and you're able to attach some metadata that describes what that quote is about, for example, Mm -hmm, or mm in that image, then it's about matching up the information with the right person. Uh, And that's what we think of as the people-facing AI part of it. And that's really more about what are the people interested in and what do we know about their priorities and their interests uh, and what kinds of topics or what kinds of documents uh, or what kinds of content does that suggest that they might be interested in.
0: Yeah, it's, it's it's really interesting. I mean, think about it. And, and taking that example that you just gave is, you know, perhaps in a way that we're not even conceptualizing now what a sales call looks like in the future, right? So, you know, maybe we start with the presumption that it's, it's video. And assuming it's not in-person, but, you know, it's video. And, you know, there's some sort of, I don't want to say like a heads-up display on the screen that you're sharing that as somebody talks and says, yeah, we're really interested in, you know, maybe how the other companies have, you know, got value from what you've done with this type of, of uh feature or benefit, whatever it is it surfaces it, you know, the bot goes out and grabs it.
1: I mean, I think that's right. And I think it's likely to be not just on the seller's side, but on the buy side as well. Well, like I said it's a
0: that's so, a, it's a shared resource you're you're dealing with at that point, right? I mean yep. so whatever it's completely transparent, whatever one sees, the other sees.
1: Well, that is, some of it may be. Uh, some of it may also be Private. that the buyer is seeing, well, here's all the other vendors that we've spoken with and their capabilities in these areas uh, being surfaced to them. Uh, so it may be, um, yeah, the arms race, I'm sure will continue, right, uh, between yep, buyers yeah. and sellers, and there'll be a collaborative piece, and there'll probably also be a a competitive piece to it, but I think the you know, I mean, the term augmented reality is getting thrown around a lot now in, in sort of virtual reality contexts of right. overlaying metadata on top of your environment. I think that same concept of augmented reality is going to be very relevant in business where continuously you have agents in the background that are scouring the information universe for all the things that might be related or important. And helping bring them to your attention, so you can more effectively focus on the things that uh, enrich and move the conversation forward.
0: Yeah, and as there somewhat is already today, but going forward, there will be there have to be sort of this complete acceptance on both parties' part that that yeah these these bot agents are listening.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah
0: I think that's right, <laughs> and that that there really isn't a private conversation, at least not uh, in most cases between buyer and seller. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably right. Uh, and so it's
1: more about, you know, we tend to think about privacy as a uh, sort of a spectrum or, or shades of gray rather than black and white. And uh, I think that that uh, will continue to evolve. Um, it's not It's not productive to create a completely transparent workplace where everybody can see what everybody else is doing. Uh, that actually is has been shown in some great studies to reduce productivity and reduce right. innovation. Right. Uh, but at the same time, uh, yes, the bots are going to be watching and listening, and of course, uh, it's going to be incumbent on the uh, folks like us that are developing these bots Ah, uh, to make sure that they're doing that, they're participating in a constructive and productive way, uh, rather than uh, uh, causing problems for everyone. In which case, of course, people will turn them off and find better bots.
0: Yeah, which all raises the question then. Is, so, how do you, you know, take direction and to say, yeah, to make these things that are beneficial and contribute value, as opposed to things that are considered to be intrusive that people turn off.
1: Well, I think it's all about closing the feedback loop and then you know, applying machine learning to that. So, you know, the uh, some of the most obnoxious uh, sort of bots, um, things like, you know, if you remember Microsoft's Clippy, uh, the talking paper <laughs> Why well, uh, I,
0: I had to resist bringing that up earlier when you first started talking. but
1: uh. <laughs> um, Yeah, so you know, they didn't have a meaningful feedback loop and they didn't learn from the user uh, and adapt to the user. but there's uh, in part thanks to I think, online games, um, we've gotten much better at and mobile apps as well. We've gotten uh, much better at understanding engagement and understanding what you tweak to improve engagement. Uh, and so there's um, yep, yeah, it's it's a continuous feedback loop uh, so that the the bot can, if it's designed properly, it can uh, adjust and adapt to uh, to the user. It can even be at the level of things like noticing that uh, this conversation is is moving at a really fast pace. Uh, this probably is not is not the right time to inject anything. Uh, whereas this one, uh, you know, people are going back and forth a little bit slower. Maybe some other people have already shared some links. People might be more receptive to having something added to the conversation there.
0: Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, it would have been great to have one Listening to this conversation, I could have had it uh, serving me all sorts of facts about AI.
1: <laughs> and probably asking me much tougher questions. So uh, hopefully, I'd have one on my side to help me answer.
0: Yeah. Well, like I said, as, as I get more educated, I get more dangerous in this regard. So, <laughs> all right. Well, David, unfortunately, we've run out of time for this episode. But um, yeah, obviously, we'll do this again. A pleasure to talk with This is going to be a topic we're going to talk more and more about uh, on the show, is, is yeah, sort of trying to frame the future, if you will. For sales audience and help them understand what their opportunities are going forward. And yeah, so, well, exciting time. It, it is very much so an exciting time. So, tell people how to connect with you and learn more about Module Q.
1: Yeah, well, we'd love to have them visit us at moduleq.com, M O U D U L E Q.com, uh, or uh, follow us on Twitter uh, at Module Q.
0: All right, perfect. All right, well, David, thank you very much for being on the show again. And friends, thank you for spending this time with us today. Remember, come back again tomorrow. Another great episode of Accelerate for you then. So, if you get a chance to also, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, wherever you listen to it. Give a second, leave a review. We're anxious to hear what we can do to make this even a more valuable experience for you. So, thanks again for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.